Philippians chapter 1, verse 21 to 25. For to me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. If I am to live, live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. Yet which shall I choose? I cannot tell. I'm hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and to be with Christ, for that is far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you for, for your progress and joy in the faith. Let's pray. Father, we need the light of your word. We need the presence of your spirit. And we pray, Lord, that you will open our eyes and soften our hearts, that we may hear the voice of God as we read the word of God. Help us, we pray, for Christ's sake. Amen. Well, some of us certainly won't be here in 25 years' time. Some of us won't be here in 12 months' time. So, so a good question for us on a day like this is to say, what, what would summarize your life? What one thing will people remember about you? Imagine if you can decide this morning what they will put on your tombstone. Imagine if you can decide. What do you think they would put? She loved her family. Perhaps he was a good father. She loved shopping. He loved sport. Now, I won't be around, but Helen, who comes to work when she's not all that well and she keeps coming, when she does finally uh, pass away, I want you, put, you to put these words on her tombstone. I told you I was getting better. <laughs> I think Paul would most certainly have used verse 21. For to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. I want us just very briefly to look at Paul's perspective on life and then his perspective on death. Let's quickly just get some context. Paul planted the church in Philippi round about 62-61 uh, AD. It, uh, it's in modern-day Greece. In actual fact, it was the first European church that was planted Especially interesting to know where Paul was when he was writing this letter to the Christians, the church he had planted in Philippi, because he wasn't in an ivory tower. He wasn't in, on, on some Greek island sipping cocktails on the deck of a five-star hotel. He actually was in prison. So Acts chapter 21 and Acts chapter 28 tell us that he was, he was charged with the crime of preaching the gospel. That was his crime. And he was in jail in Rome when he was writing this letter. Try and imagine Paul, first night in jail. No doubt he was traumatized. He was a human being like us. He'd been falsely arrested, handcuffed, manhandled. In a cell, was there running water? Was there a toilet? Were there blankets? Was there food? How many were in the cell? 10, 20, 50? Paul's exhausted, but he's wide awake. No hope, no hope of sleep. I wonder what he prayed that night. Lord, what a day. I can't believe it. Where were you? Lord, I really can't make sense of what you're doing. 
You know my plans for planting churches in Turkey and Greece, in Spain, all over Europe. I have this chapter 3.5. Lord, if this is how you treat your friends, no wonder you have so few. But then the next day, or perhaps the next week, he writes to his brothers and sisters in Philippi, chapter 1, verse 12. And he says, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. Extraordinary. So that it has become known throughout the whole imperial God and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. So Rome was the capital of the universe, of the world. And God sent him there in quite extraordinary ways. And there he was in Caesar's palace under the guard of the imperial soldiers sharing the gospel. You see, Paul understood that it doesn't matter how messy life is, how chaotic life is, how incomprehensible life often is. He knew that God is king. He knew that God is in control. He knew that God is sovereign, that God will accomplish his purposes despite the chaos around him. See, often God can bring great good. It's extraordinary. Our God can bring great good even out of sin and evil. So God is sovereign whether you are healthy or whether you have cancer. God is sovereign whether you are unmarried or married. God is sovereign whether you are well off or whether you are unemployed. God is sovereign when life is safe or when life is scary. My dear friends, if God isn't sovereign over all the universe, over history, over time, if God isn't sovereign over the lives of his children, well then he's not God, is he? Let's look at two things. First of all, Paul's perspective on life. Verse 21 again. For to me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. You've probably never heard this, but all of us, in one sense, is like an onion. I hope we don't smell as bad. An onion has different layers, doesn't it? And you take off the layers, and then you get to the core. We like that. We have layers. Your language, your culture, your education, your history, your family. And then there's the core. Paul says, at the core, for me to live is Christ. That's my core. So the question for us is, what is it, what is it your core? If we were to take off all those layers and get to the heart, what is there at the heart? I think you'll find the answer by asking yourself these kinds of questions. What is the last thing you want to part with? What is the one thing you can't do without? The answer to those questions is probably your call. And of course, if it's not Christ, it's idolatry. I think most people in our culture have no greater purpose than themselves. They are at the core. My life, my family, my marriage, my money, my career, my rights, my needs, my pleasures, my security, my comfort, my wellness. And L'Oreal says, of course, because you're worth it. And Whitney Houston told us that learning to love yourself is the greatest love of all. And then what? 
So today is a special day for us as a church family. Isn't that a good day for you and me to say, what is, what is at my core? What is my purpose? Why am I here? What am I going to do with the rest of my days? I may not have that many. What will be the all-consuming passion of my life? A couple of years ago, one of our ministers, Reverend Frank Davis and his wife Zilla, they pastored a church in Kenilworth, Turfentain. And uh, he, he called me one Saturday night with some very tragic news that his daughter Melanie and her, her, her husband Shamal had, had died. What had happened was a gas canister in their gas heater had exploded. The house was gutted. His daughter Melanie and son-in-law were killed. The three children, 13, 9, and 6, were, uh, were unhurt. Obviously, we went to see them. We, we talked, we prayed, we cried. Obviously, they were traumatized, they were shocked. What increased the grief is that they actually had had three daughters. The first one died of lupus, which is a very, very rare blood disease. It's like one in a million. And then the second daughter died of lupus. And then Melanie, the last daughter, dies in this freakish, unbelievable accident. Let me tell you, it doesn't get a whole lot worse than that. Frank asked me to take the funeral, and through his tears he said, Martin, please preach the gospel. Melanie and Shamal are with the Lord, but there'll be people at the funeral who don't know the Lord. No doubt Paul would have said, I think Frank and Zilla get it. Now, of course, we need to love our families with all our hearts. But our all-consuming passion ultimately ought be to serve and to love Christ. So the question is, how do you want to spend your life? We don't know how many days or weeks or months or years. What will be your all-consuming passion? We all know that, that it's possible to ruin your life. But did you know that it's possible to sleep through it? What will you live for? Second question is Paul's perspective on death. Now, most people don't like talking about death, especially their own death. King Louis XIV forbade anyone to use the word death in his presence. But uh, Paul has no such inhibitions. He is quite happy to speak about his death. To die is gain, he says. So if you were a Greek psychologist in Philippi, uh, you may think that uh, Paul has a screw loose, he has dangerous suicidal tendencies, he needs to be under observation. But of course Paul is in his right mind, he's in his complete right mind. What he says, if you're a Christian, is absolutely rational and reasonable. If this life is growing in your knowledge and love of Christ, then death is the consummation of that pursuit. If in this life we, we know him by faith, in the next life we will know him face to face. Notice again verse 23. I'm hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. The word depart there is a camping word. So when the army, uh, when they, when they uh, struck camp, when they packed up and move on, that is the word that would be used. Well, that's the word that Paul uses of his death. 
Paul is saying this life is temporary. It's a camp life-like life. And one day I'm going home. Camping, camping is okay for a couple of days, isn't it? But, but eventually you get tired of the blown-up mattress and the damp blankets and cooking on a fire and the public toilets and the noisy neighbors, and you want to go home to your own bed, to your own bathroom, to a real stove. Well, says Paul, if I had a choice, I'd love to go home. Because this life is like camping. And it's not always very nice. I mean, what do you do with, with Christians like Paul? He says, if I live, I live for Christ. If you kill me, well, I'll go and be with Christ, which is actually better by far. If you need life insurance, well, here is the ultimate life insurance. You will be immortal until God takes you home, and then you are even more immortal. And not only that, it's free. There's no monthly premium. (laughs) Right now in our country, there's a lot of wind and rain and hail all over the campsite. There's a bit of water under the tent, and some of the guy ropes have broken. Some of them are knotted. Some of them are loose. But it's only a temporary tent. It's short term, and soon we'll be home in a city where the foundations are built by God. You see, the kingdoms of this world will rise and fall. They'll come and go. They're made of canvas. They don't last. I don't know about you, but I belong to another kingdom. This world is not my home, guys. I belong to another kingdom, and that is an unshakable kingdom. It's built on a rock, the foundation of Christ. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to spend the rest of my days building God's eternal kingdom. Why don't you join me? That's why we're here. We're here to serve God and to build his kingdom. And sometimes it does get a bit windy and wet. But one day I'll be home. For to me to live is Christ, to die is gain. What about you? Let's pray. Father, thank you so, so much for these last 25 years, for your goodness, your grace, your power, your presence, your spirit, without which we would be absolutely nothing and hopeless, and helpless. And now we ask, Lord, that you will be with us in the next 25 years, unless the Lord returns. And Father, I pray that you may challenge each one of us here this morning to ask the question, what am I living for? And what am I dying for? Oh Lord, may it be Christ, and nothing else. And now, Lord, go with us, be with us as we serve you and live for you. And we pray this for Christ's sake. Amen.